This is Manifest Mindset, where we delve into our true passions, inspire the best out of ourselves, and live our life with true intention every single day. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Manifest Mindset. We're back, Nick and Bob, early in the morning. <laughs> Bright and early, my friend. Now, yeah, you got, how are you doing? I'm doing okay, but you got some stuff you've been prepping for. Is that right? Um, a little bit, I guess. So, I mean, I, I got an interview for a job coming up, um, but it's that, that's about it, pretty much. Okay, tell me, tell me about this job you got. I'm, I'm assuming it's uh, working at a Seven Eleven or something, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it's actually down the corner. No, it's it's for um, a physical therapy job. It's it's also like. I guess for most of my classmates that just graduated, we're in prime like job hunting mode as well for physical therapy jobs. So I have one scheduled up um, today in an hour. So that, that's exciting. It's it's more so I guess I guess fun to do interviews because it's also like another way to look at it for me is ways to think of on my feet and practice that um, other than just interviewing by itself. Absolutely, and you know I um. I always thought for myself the best interview practice was get out there and go after an interview, not an interview you don't want. Because this guy being an interview of strong interest in and everything, they, you could see yourself working there, but not one where it's your top green job by any means. Um, so I, I had a lot of fun that way too. It's like, all right, let me just do this, have like no expectations going in, just get better and see what happens. Exactly. <laughs> So Nick, last time you mentioned something on the podcast that really stuck with me. I don't, I don't think you like intentionally meant it, but after our podcast ended the last week, I was like, wow, that that was great. So, do you remember when I said like, I have a lot on my plate, and then you asked me if I'm hungry? I do. So I, I don't know if you like meant it in a joking way, but another way to look at it was like. I have a lot on my plate because I'm hungry to do more and I'm hungry to like achieve stuff because I have big ambitions. Absolutely. So, that, that, it, trust me, it's both a sarcastic way because that never falls short on my end, but uh, absolutely, Bob, <laughs> it's, um, you know, it's, we're there, right? And you and I both and many other people who are listening out there, we are, we have a lot on our plate, not because there's this overwhelming burden on us, but because we chose this path and we chose to put a lot on our plate, we chose to walk through that bay line. Now it's like, all right, time to enjoy. It's time to make this happen. And, you know, by the end of the meal, you might be feeling a little groggy, a little tired. Like, all right, let me, uh, you know, but the first, the last kind of 20 minutes is not like the first 20 minutes. But, um, yeah, man, we, we put it there because we're hungry. Well, yeah, and I assume, well, I assume you, you like what you're eating and I like what I'm eating. <laughs> Yeah, so, exactly. But but there are those moments where it's like, did I really need that? Like, did, did I need, like, the 11th dumpling? Was, like, eight dumplings enough? And you're like, probably not. Probably eight dumplings was okay, but I've got 11. It's pretty damn good. No, no. I mean, it's – I think it's – what you said was so great. I, I wrote it on it in the next card and put it on my wall. It says, I, love, uh, I have a lot on my plate. Yeah, it says I have a lot on my plate because I am hungry, both mentally or metaphorically and physically. So I love it. Thank you, Nick, for that wonderful, I guess, 
stage moment right there. Absolutely, Bob. That's, uh, you know, that's always NASA as part of the journey, and I'd say that uh, in this moment, too, I've got a lot in my plate as well. Um, you know, it's, I'm hitting the busy season right now. This next month, month and a half or so, we've got a lot of kind of landmark events going on. We've got a lot of things that are impactful and important. Um, but I chose them all, you know, and I'm, I'm excited for the opportunity of them. Yeah. Um, I guess what – I guess adding on to, to our conversation about what you said last week, so it's, like, very easy to just, I guess, say, just shift your perspective. Like, you have so much on your plate. Um, and just shift the perspective of, like, oh, I'm hungry. I want to do more. Like, how do you actually do that, Nick? Good question, Bob. Because um, I think a lot of times when we look at, um, you know, kind of what the quote-unquote, like, our skew list or what we have to do or what do we um, sign ourselves up to do, we typically look at everything I want to look at, and we don't even, like, take the time to say, what well, is it I'm actually doing more hey, I'm running through things in my mind, and I have 12 things. And okay, I have 12 things in the next 15 days, and they're big things. And we go in that state of mind. I hit the pause button. And, you know, for me, um, and at first I probably wasn't aware of what I did. I just kind of did it. But now gaining a better understanding over time, is I hit the pause button and just say, okay, what's one thing? Not, not 15, not 12, whatever. What's the one thing that I'm doing next? And it's not enough. Just like, you know, you ask the patient, your patient questions are, you know, we're big believers asking the multiple, multiple levels of why questions are continue to questioning. It's not enough to say, okay, this is a thing, and then move on to the next thing. You don't want to revisit the list in your head. You're, it's all about saying, okay, what's this next thing? You know, for me, um, I've got a lot of next things coming up, but let's say for me it's the uh, Spine Fellowship interview. Um but easily in my mind, I could say in the next like week, like two weeks, I've got the interview. I've got different two-week testing periods for in-person testing. I've got different uh, written examinations. I've got a couple different presentations I'm giving. I've got writing this letter recommendation. I've got all this other stuff, right? Um, plus all the normal residency things on top of it. So I can easily just go down that list, and it's natural for our, ourselves, too, when we say, hey, we have to get it done. But breaking each one of those things down individually, and I think for me is beyond just saying what is it. It's remembering, reflecting why this is a privilege for me. I like that because because none of these things, like you said, Bob, we're hungry. None of these things are I have to do. There are I have made life choices to sign up for them because in some way, shape, or form, I deeply value them, and that's what keeps me going. But yeah. also, you know, on that note, it's easy to say, listen, I deeply value these things, except for this one thing I'm kind of doing that I don't really need to do. Sweet, let me get rid of that in my life, right? It's like we're already doing eight or nine things we really like. If you've already got your main dishes at the buffet that you're like, dude, these are like by a dozen go-tos, and you try something else, you're like, eh, I don't really like it. Why are you going to get more of it? Exactly. It's like the... I guess the expired chicken that's that's always there that you don't want. I, but yeah, I, dude, I wasn't gonna go that low, but uh, yeah, get the expired chicken out of there. <laughs> but I, I like that. It's like you're you're looking at one task at a time, even though you have a lot in plate. You know you're you're hungry. You know you're ambitious. You you chose to eat. You chose to put all this food on your plate, and you know that you're gonna eat it. Um, but you're taking one bite a bite at a time. 
right? That way you're not getting overwhelmed. You're not like putting 10 different pieces of sushi in your mouth at a time. You're putting one. Um, and I think also, I guess for me, when I look at it like this, it's like every time I have something um, that's like hard or stressful or, or a lot on me, it's like, okay, if I do this or I at least try and attempt it, tomorrow I'll be a better version of myself than I was today. So it's like give me the opportunity to test a hand as well. Exactly. It's like the it's like how we work out in the gym and we break down a muscle. A week later the muscle's gonna be a little bit stronger, a little bit bigger. Um but that only happens through working out and like breaking down that muscle fiber and things like that. So you know, absolutely, Bob. I, I completely agree. And, you know, when we when we break these things down that we're hungry for, um, and we talk about only doing one thing at a time, I remember back in PT school, uh, I see a good conversation with a friend of mine. I was sitting down at breakfast, chatting with them and stuff, and I was like, you know, because I was talking about this, I was having a period in my, a short time in my life where I was overwhelmed, and I was like, you know, there's, there's so going on, man. It's good stuff, right? I mean, I have to turn down a lot of good opportunities for great opportunities, and that's a blessing. But there's a lot going on, and I, I remember just thinking, you know what, this is me and mantra. It's impossible to get overwhelmed if you're only doing one thing. It's impossible to get overwhelmed if you're only doing one thing. And, I mean, that's the simple truth, Bob, whether you want to talk about that in a buffet line style, because I'm all about that, or you want to talk about it just in, like, in general, some powerful stuff. Yeah, I think – in like a podcast like a year ago or something like that, you mentioned this quote. And I was like, wow, what a, that's that's a mind-blowing quote, Nick. So it, it's good how, how um, I guess there's chronological – you're staying true to your word, Nick. <laughs> All right, well, that, that's the goal is to keep getting back to it, man. But, uh, you know, it's interesting how, you know, time goes on and everything, and some things, our perspectives shift and change just a little bit, but there are some of these kind of really simplistic truths that are like, Oh, this doesn't really change, you know. I think, Bob, if we could do it in the podcast, you know, three, five, ten years from now, to be honest, it's going to be a lot of kind of these very similar themes coming up because these are things that we choose to hold value to. These are things that constantly through our life, throughout our day, we're reinforcing these behaviors and our habits um, by talking about them, by having action on them, by holding each other accountable to them and the different things that we do in our lives. So I think, you know, and actually that's, that's a good sign, right? It's like your quote you talk about where, you know, the beginners, they want all these new innovative things, where it's the experts who will say thank you, the repetition of the basic and the simple and the fundamental. All we're doing, Bob, is we're giving repetition through our different life stories that develop over time to the fundamental things that we choose to value. And, um, you know, I think like we said, it's, you know, three, five years from now, the way we're living it will be very different, but the message will be the same. Yeah. I'm I'm very like glad that you're very solid on on the foundation and the basics of like repeating it and like saying to me because I think if I recall correctly when you mentioned that quote um, a year ago or however long ago like I was asking you advice about like, how to not get overwhelmed and like perspective and things like that. Um, and and then, I, I, re- I remember my advice back then was something along those lines, but it was also like. Dude, I'm not immune to it. I feel overwhelmed a ton, too. It's just how I choose to shift my perspective with it. Yeah. 
Um, and I think, like, right now, like, I guess from, like, this year of, I guess, you just hammering in or massaging it in, like, either subconsciously or, like, directly, um, like, I guess my perspective has changed where it's it's more focused on, like, okay, I'm overwhelmed, but at the same time, it helps me grow, and I can't get overwhelmed if I'm just doing one task at a time and just focusing solely on that instead of thinking about other stuff. So, so thank you for for that, Nick. I I appreciate the growth that you helped me with throughout the the time since our last podcast of that. Absolutely, man. And you know, for everybody out there listening too, and I I say this for everybody, but I remind myself of it constantly is that just because we have a moment where it's like, you know, hey, I used to have this good thought pattern. Um, all of a sudden, these doubts occur in my head. Maybe I'm a little more tired, a little more fatigued, whatever it might be. And I'm starting to doubt myself again, right? I'm starting to say, oh, I don't know about this. Those thought patterns are natural. Those thought patterns are a simple, survival mechanistic brain kicking in and saying, no, 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 you got to take the comfort road. You got to take the easy way out. You got to chill. And so it's natural to have those thoughts. Where you develop resiliency is not by having those thoughts. It's by when you have those thoughts, what do you do with reaction to it? And can you kind of step on those, the throats of those thoughts? And can you squelch it down? pretty darn fast to make sure they don't come up again often. Yeah. I would also say, like, when you have those thoughts of, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, I, I think, like, it's a good indicator of, like, I mean, unless you're going to, like, die, I think it's, like, a good indicator that, like, you're going in the right direction. Um, yeah, I, I think for the most part, you know, we're, what we're trying to do a lot is we're trying to have, there's an allostatic load on the body. And are you familiar with that term? I am not, no. So, so think of it like homeostasis, right? Our body has to have a certain amount of stress placed on it to be able to have a reaction. Like you talked about the working out in the gym or the working out our mental muscles. Well, allostatic load is kind of the total cumulative load on the body at any given time. And this is not just exclusive to only the physical realm. This is mental, emotional, everything, sleep, hygiene, health, nutrition. Everything either adds to our overall load of our body or allostatic load, adds to our resistance, or what it does is it strengthens it and says, hey, these are things that are more regenerative, restorative for me. And everything is in a constant yin-yang flux with that. It's not just like that we, we don't just have one kind of dose of this is the allostatic that I can handle. Same thing, we have a resiliency in the body that we can continuously do a lot more. However, there is a upper limit eventually, and there is a way of kind of how fast we're progressing, right? So if you go from let's say bench pressing and your max was, I don't know, let's say 250 or something. But then all of a sudden you said, oh, yeah, 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 let me, let me, let me try and jump up and do like 280 just for like, and that was your true one rep max. You wouldn't be able to. Just the load is too much for your body. Your tissues can't handle all the time. Same thing for a fast jump up and allostatic load. And so we've got to be mindful that it's not just snap of the finger and we're good again. There is burnout. Burnout is totally real. We've got to do these things. We can't just be pushing, 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 sympathetic only. We've got to have some sympath- parasympathetic love in there and make sure that we do things that are restorative for ourselves, too. It's like, um, you know, it's efficient periodization for our mental world, just like for strength training. Wow, yeah, that's – I like that. But how do you know, Nick, like when you're approaching burnout? You know, I think a lot of it, Bob, is um, listening to the signs of your body that, that your mind tells you. And, again, I think your word, approaching, is the key word here, right? 
it's not that when are you burned out, it's when am I approaching burnout. When is kind of in my theoretical car, when does the either check engine light come on and say, hey, you want to you do a little repair here? You want to spend a little time just focusing on me a little bit? Or does that gaslight come on? That boss in your car when you're driving, right? Have you ever had the, like, low gas, like, tank uh, button come on? Yes, of course. Okay. Now, when that happens, did you, where were you driving? On the highway in New York City, upstate New York, where were you? I'd say, like, right around my house, New York City. Right around your house, New York City. Were you scared? Were you terrified? Uh, I guess, I guess, yeah. I mean, there's a, I mean, other than the, the, there's a gas station like two minutes away from my house, but I guess minus that example, yes, I was terrified. Oh, if you were terrified, so it sounds like that might have been one of the, like, one of the first times that happened to you, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so one of the first times you happened to you, you got nervous, you got terrified, you got scared, but then you remembered there's a gas station two minutes away. Did that change your reaction? Yeah, it did. It, it made me calm down. Made you calm down because there's something that you could do to mitigate part of the alcatraz load. Now, another question for you, Bob. Check the gas tank light came on. The second that came on, did your car stop and run out of gas completely? No. No. <laughs> what, what happened? It keeps them going. Okay. I think a lot of the time, right, it keeps them going until the eventually doesn't. Right, but you have like 40 miles left when that starts coming on. I think a lot of times we, we interpret that signal for ourselves when we hit that chip, like the um, gas and low light, as saying, "Oh my gosh, this is impending doom. This is literally a bomb picking off like 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, and please cut the red wire. I hope you didn't, you know." Right? That's not how it works. We've got some reserve left, but the problem is when we completely ignore the signs and signals of our body. So we do hit rock bottom, and we do say, crap, I have to get out of the car, grab a gas tank, get a gas can, hitchhike, get some gas, come back, and I'm just out for a while. I am burnt out. But we can approach it and know another safety. So driving down the highway throughout, uh, you know, let's say Nevada, for example, knowing that there's only a gas station every 100 miles is a very different situation than being around New York City and Queens where you got a gas station every, you know, two blocks. Yeah. I like that. That's that's good. It's like you don't want to get to the point where you're completely out of gas, so you have to, like, call a tow truck to, like, get your car towed. I, I don't know. Is that what happens when you run out of gas? Dude, people call those some creative things, man. Um, I'll, uh, I, I got some stories about that later on. But uh, anyways, um, you know, there are, yeah. of, there are a ton of creative solutions, but either way, you got to basically stop, drop, and roll, right? It's like, hey, it's response. What do you have to do to figure this out? Can you get to, um, can you get access to it? And here's the funny thing about that thought, right? When you're driving your car and that light comes on, what does your car need at that time? What is your car what? I'm sorry? What does your car need? So, like, you have this, this hey, your car is flowing gas, and, okay, you have the light comes on that says check your gas. So, when that light comes on, when you got like 40 miles left, what does your car need at that time? Needs to find gas, I guess. Well, yeah, yeah, dude, it's a simple answer, right? We're not looking for like advanced chemistry here. You need to find gas, right? And you get you need gas. Cool. Now, let's say, Bob, that you're yourself out. You're exhausted, you're burnt out, right? 
Now, when you're burnt out and dust, you've got nothing left. And your car is literally empty, not just the light, but it's empty, it stops. What does your car need at that time? It needs to get towed. It needs, it really needs no, gas. No, what does it need? Uh, not, not, not to towed, what does it need? When there's no gas? Yeah. Uh, I guess it needs your love. I don't know. It needs gas, man. It doesn't need to get towed. It doesn't care how it gets there. It just cares that it gets the damn gas. Okay. So, the moral I'm not of the a story, car expert, Nick, but, but yes, I, you're right. Gas, gas. So the moral of the story is, right, if you respond appropriately to the gas at a low light and say, let me do some things to restore in the short term, or you don't, you completely ignore it and you're down and out for a week because you have to recover and your brain has not functional, in either situation, Bob, what do you need? You're going to need gas. There You're going to need gas. You're going to need gas. And the same is true for a lot of these chronic, this is like kind of going off the deep end a little bit, but the same is true for a lot of chronic pain issues out there. But we're not going to delve into that too much on today's episode, but it's the same thing. What do you need? You need a little bit of maintenance. Okay, let's say you're down and out. You don't get it, right? You're over the edge. You're over the hill. Well, you still need it. You're just a lot more debilitated, and you're craving for it just a lot more. I like it. And then gas would be different for everybody. Um, I, I think from, like, hearing you talk, for you, gas is like hiking a mountain or, or working out, playing basketball, things like that. Um, and then for me, it would be completely different, something else. Absolutely. Exactly. It would be very different, whatever is your agenda, your sort of thing. But they all speak a universal language. Think of it. That's what it is different for everybody. Think of it more like um, we've all got our preferred gas stations right here, right? It's still the same source. It's still the same ultimate energy in the world. It's still restorative. You might still get restorative energy for hiking up a mountain. But it might be like 30, a third of the amount that I did. But it could still fill up your, your tank a little bit. Now, for me, right, if, um, let's say I was to leave my own webinar or something, and I go off about some business things, that would still fill my tank a little bit, but it might only be half as much compared to you and the passion you get out of that. Huh. It, yeah, I I like that. That's, that's a great analogy. Is that what you use for um, chronic pain patients? Oh, I got, I got a lot of stuff off the cuff. Um, but, yeah, that's um, kind of a gas tank analogy where it's like, Hey, yes, you're because I think that's such common language and common understanding for all of us that hey, you're exhausted, you're tired, you're burnt out. Sure, it's not so much about what do you need because they kind of already know that to an extent. We have to <clears throat> find ways to get it relatable, but it's about hey, when your check engine light goes on, it doesn't mean you just have to stop at full. It doesn't mean that you know, or let's say your check engine light, or also known as you know your low gas light. Let's have that be the analogy, the equivalent of pain, a high, not just any pain, a high intense overwhelming pain signal. You've got some left in your tank. And we're not talking about the extreme that the Navy SEALs go through when they say, hey, when you're completely physically burned out, you've only got 40% left. We're not going to that extreme. We're just saying, hey, when you have a high pain level, your sensors are a little bit more active, and you've got some more irritation. But you do have the ability to find a gas station. This is a sign that you got to go find a gas station. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's good. Um, I'm writing that down right now and use that in the future with, with life stuff and with physical therapy stuff. And like we always say, like these physical therapy analogies really can relate to anything in life. 
And, you know, here's the interesting thing, everybody, is that Hawkins is going to sit for everything, and they're going to ask him some kind of question, something along of, like, you know, Bob, what are you, what are you looking for? Tell me about yourself um, outside of PT. He's like, I gashed my car, man. I gashed my car up. They're going to be like, <laughs> so, okay. I mean, I do too every once in a while. He's like, no, I gashed my car up. And they're like, uh-huh. Shake your hand. It was nice meeting you, sir. <laughs> I, <laughs> you cracked me up, man. That's, that's, yep, I like it. I gassed my car up. Bob, anything else that you want to go over, man? Any kind of accountability stuff, wrapping it up for next time? I want to give you uh, have you enough time to guess with your car before this interview. So it's over Zoom, actually, so I won't be gassing up my car exactly. So, um, um, question for you. Will you be wearing pants or not? I will just be wearing a dress shirt. Nice, dude. Nice. Don't stand up or anything. <laughs> You're right. Um, so let's touch upon accountability from last week. So last week, for me, it was you, you wanted me to stay out. My accountability was just finish my prereq for my McKenzie course, um, just do my readings, which are all done, because intrinsically and extrinsically, I have that motivation to, to do, I guess, just do it. Um, so I think for next week, it's the same thing. I want to do all my readings, take two practice exams in between the next time we see for the MPT, and then I'll report back to you on that. What about you, Nick? How are you doing? Um, I'm doing good. I've been um, accountable to the studying I myself to. Um, some days I've wanted to do it a lot more than others. You know, some days I hit that bare minimum. Some days I kind of go forward. Some days, just like you've done in the past, Bob, I procrastinate a little bit more than what I'm proud of, um, but still get it done. And so I want to keep the pathway on that, not necessarily for the next time, but before my spine fellowship interview. So it might be two two weeks from now um, or two podcast episodes. What I'll end up doing is I'll, um, what's it called? I will end up um, creating together like a portfolio for kind of like a handout for that for the people who are there interviewing me in person to have something kind of physical prepared and ready. Nice. Awesome. All right. All right my friend. Any, last, any last words of wisdom? Any first thoughts going into this interview? Uh, just don't forget to fill up my gas and your gas and anybody else's gas that's listening. All right, my friend. Take care. All right. Bye. Take care.